and welcome to On The Ledge podcast, episode 199. I am your host, Jane Perrone, houseplant head honcho around these parts. And in this week's show, I'm chatting to Raffaella Warren Barbieri, aka Bonsai Raff. She's a teenage sensation on Instagram, providing tips, advice and fun on the theme of bonsai and houseplants too. Plus, I answer a question about two bromeliads saved from a skip. Now, that's the kind of plant rescue I like. Thanks for all your feedback so far on last week's show. I'm collating that together and getting ready to do a follow-up interview, which will also cover the delights of Laker, Expanded Clay Pebbles. So do keep sending in your thoughts, questions, reflections, and so on. Thank you to my new patrons this week. Elaine upgraded from crazy plant person to legend and Lynette became a super fan. And it's coming up to that time of year where I start preparing the December mail out for patrons. So if you're a patron at the legend or super fan level, do check your Patreon account has your postal address on it. And that postal address is correct because every year I get a few returned cards because the address is incorrect, which is heartbreaking. So please do check that. The deadline for signing up as a legend or a super fan in order to get that special mail out is November the 19th. If you sign up after that date or change your address after that date, I can't guarantee that you will get that mail out because it takes quite a long time to organise and the post is notoriously slow at that time of year. So please do check your postal address on Patreon if you are a subscriber. And if you're not, why not? (laughs) Find out more in the show notes. I was bemoaning to my daughter the other day the fact that I really don't know what I am doing on Instagram. Um, She's 14, so she's a bit more clued up than me. And I said, please find me some people on Instagram who are doing reels for houseplants really well. And the person she told me about was Bonsai Raff. And I was delighted because I've been trying to do a Bonsai episode for you on this show for many a moon. I had a look at Raffaella's Instagram and it's very inspiring, funny, clever, and I felt totally overawed by her brilliance. And even more so when I found out that she's just 18. So I called her up for a chat about how this all began, her top tips for growing bonsai indoors. And I asked her for some suggestions on helping my daughter with her growing houseplant obsession. Well, I'm so glad to meet you over this medium of Zoom. And I've been looking to talk to somebody about bonsai for a while. So this is fantastic to have you on the show, a young advocate for bonsai. How did this begin? Where did this all start for you? A lot of things happened for a lot of people in 2020. And so (laughs) in lockdown one, it's crazy because I had absolutely no interest in plants. I didn't like going in the garden. I didn't like any of it. And um, I was in year 11 when um, lockdown hit and I was supposed to have my GCSEs and they were cancelled. So I had this huge amount of time, six months of no school, nothing. And I was thinking, how am I going to fill this time? And so my dad said to me, oh, can you help me out in the garden? He's asked me every single year 
And I've always been like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I don't really want to do that. But then I actually took him up on his offer. And it was one of the best six months of my life, really. It was amazing because we're very fortunate to have about an acre garden because we live in the countryside. And so I would help him from doing things like you know, taking down huge thorns and having this huge pile and just feeling like super proud of ourselves that we sort of like (laughs) defeated this huge, you know, thorny bush. And then what we also did was we built um, a raised bed. And so we have a greenhouse. And so for the first time I started planting seeds and then planted them in the veg patch and making and, you know, digging up potatoes and also um, starting the interminable destruction of the stinging nettles which I had no idea how difficult that was to do but (laughs) there you go they keep coming back and um yeah and so from that I just did that every every day with him it was absolutely just like a therapy for me and then from that I was like oh indoor plants because it was quite amazing because a little shop opened up in our town we never had like an independent botanist before so I ordered some plants from them I thought wow this is really fun too and then I went into their shop and I saw that they started selling bonsai. And I thought, this is, this is, I, I just, I've never seen, I'd never seen them before. I mean, I probably had, but I hadn't taken any interest in them. My little sister, she actually bought me a book called The Little World of Bonsai, which is absolutely like the bonsai Bible. And she bought me my first tree um, from that shop. And, and from that, I just was just completely so excited by them and I sort of niche really niched from you know working working in the garden to you know having these little trees in my room and that's how it really came about and luckily that same botanist I managed to um get a job in because I just pestered them and pestered them and I started working there from that they have lots of trees in their shop and I now can look after their trees and I've managed to take a lot of their trees home and sort of give them like a spe- like a sprucing up. So it's all sort of gone full circle and that's how I got into it. That's amazing. Wow, that's a really lovely story. And I guess there have been some good things come out of the pandemic and I, that is really one of them is so many people getting into gardening, especially young people. So that's fantastic. What This bonsai is something that in my 47 years on this planet, I have not ever dabbled with i've admired uh, up close and from afar delightfully elderly bonsai uh, but i've never tried it what, what is it that really appeals to you about this particular form of it, of gardening and what makes it different from just growing regular houseplants so i love all houseplants but the thing about bonsai is they grow with you and the thing about them is you can sort of change them and manipulate them and make it so it's completely your own. They last for such a long time because they are just little trees, so they'll last for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so you could, you know, from my age, I could be when I'm 90 and have the same tree if I've looked after it you know, well enough. What I find amazing about it is I find it extremely meditative and when you're actually working on it, so you can do so many more things with it compared to, other houseplants because other houseplants you sort of water you can propagate but with bonsai you can repot you can um wire you can prune you can shape it you can display it and you know you can put it into competitions and things like that you know it really sets it apart and also it's an architectural piece so if you have one of them in your sort of dining room or something 
it's really quite amazing and it's the only hobby that I have and that I got into that when I'm actually doing it nothing can distract me from it so I'll be in the middle of wiring and it might have taken me an hour and I will not have picked up my phone I wouldn't have had a drink of water I'll just could be completely focused on that and it's so absorbing also I feel I mean it sounds a bit cliche but it kind of like teaches you about life so when I started I really didn't know what I was doing so I had this amazing little like ficus tree and luckily it was very forgiving and I tried to do things like you know give it a trim I ended up taking off a third of it and it was just bald and then I tried <laughs> to do a take because also with bonsai you can there are loads of different techniques so you can get like really like nerdy about it so there's a thing called gin which is when it's the Japanese art of creating a sort of driftwood effect on a tree. I mean, you can't really do this with indoor trees because indoor trees are like tropical plants. But let's say you had like a, you know, a lovely juniper, I think they're the ones they use. And the the whole effect of driftwood is that that's how the tree would have been worn away if it would have grown on mountains. And so then you try and replicate this in your own sort of garden or if you're keeping it indoors and it's got this sort of beautiful, like, carved-out effect with a sort of, like, paler bark underneath that you've scraped off. So, anyway, I tried this with my tree. <laughs> it looked awful, and I was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. What have I done? So it was bald and bits taken out of it. I'd forgotten to water it at one point because I didn't realise how much I'd water it. But it's still fine, and that's the thing. Like, I look at it now, and I think, like, all those little things that you've done, it's, you know, just like with life, like, a tree isn't going to look perfect. Your bonsai isn't going to look perfect. So if you mess up, like it is a representation of how trees are supposed to look in actual nature in the wild. And when you see a tree, it's not going to be perfectly symmetrical on each side, the branches. So if you snapped off a branch, you don't have to, you know, be worried about it because you see a great oak, you know, that's been through so much. It may have been struck by lightning or, you know, had some sort of wind damage. And so it's going to be sort of scarred and sort of, gnarled and everything like that and um yeah that's the whole thing with bonsai as well is you want to sort of show that through the tree the whole thing about bonsai is you want to show how much is aged and so that's the thing in competitions that trees that obviously are quite in competitions have the ones that are like 20 years old but the ones that have the most amount of sort of life in it so I can describe it is they're the Mm. ones who usually win the competitions and you know it's just sort of nice because like you, you sort of grown up with it and it's, it's cool. <laughs> it sounds amazing. And I mean, I love the fact that you've started uh, as a teenager because that is going to be, I mean, you know, as a 90 year old or whatever, you're going to have trees that you've been caring for for all those years. How wonderful would that be? Um, yeah, that, that I can see. I mean, it's like having a tortoise, isn't it? Or a parrot, you know, it's, gonna, yeah. it's probably going to outlive you, which is, which is amazing. You talked a little bit there about indoor and outdoor bonsai. I think sometimes people think that all bonsai can, can be indoors, but there are certain species that are happier indoors than out and vice versa. Can you just tell us a little bit about good choices for indoor bonsai? Yes. So the two varieties I have, so the only trees I currently own are indoor varieties. So I have a jade, um, a ficus, and you can also get Brazilian rain trees, which are less common in the UK. And I also have um, a weeping fig, which... I did check this before the show, but I don't think it does lose its leaves because obviously it's like a houseplant as well. 
because I bonsai it for my house plant. Um, and so they are the go-to indoor ones because unfortunately indoor bonsai are much harder to get your hands on because the ones that they present are these beautiful sort of um, deciduous outdoor species in garden centres. And they're like, oh yeah, you can keep them indoors when in fact you actually can't. Well, you can't for some of the months. And so the ones I would really recommend for you to get are jade and the um, ficus. And the jade, I mean, if you look at the bonsai masters say that jade doesn't technically classify the bonsai. But I disagree because mine looks very cute. And because about because the jade is a semi succulent. So the only thing is, is you can't wire the branches. Um, you just have to be a bit more careful with it because it the branches contain water so when you wire it it does like cut into it a bit more that's the only reason so okay and I, I, I mean who hasn't got a jade hanging around that they can start you know a jade plant is you know is so common that if you if you want to start somewhere that would seem like a really great place to start yeah and also if you forget to water it like i've had mine drying out <laughs> yeah. completely then it's it's going to be forgiving so i'd recommend that so you've gone and joined Instagram and are providing the Instagram world with fantastic bonsai content, which is amazing. I imagine you get lots of questions because you've got lots of people following you. What what are the kind of things people tend to ask you on Insta about bonsai? So the most common questions I get are either like the people will send me a picture and be like, what's going on? And it's usually like all of the leaves dropped off or um, something like, you know, the the soil is completely dried out and everything like that and I and I just say to them I usually like I can like tell the species and most of the time as I said before it's because they're outdoor varieties and so you can keep them indoors um but the only thing is is as you look outside as the leaves are falling in autumn and as we're in October you see all the leaves falling that's exactly what's happening to your tree indoors so it's not your fault a lot of the time it's you've done everything (laughs) right but unfortunately it will lose its leaves, but it will come back in the spring, just like as you see outdoors, as the trees do. So it's usually just because it's the natural cycle of the trees. Um, and so I just try and reassure them. And or it's because of the watering. And I think watering is a big thing. So either people tend to overwater because they've heard that you can't let them dry out and they have to be like really moist, but you don't want to make them too damp because they're prone to pests. But you also don't want to let them dry out because like that's not what a tree needs like a tree needs like a lot of water so I just say let the top of the soil dry out and then give it the way the best way to keep your tree is if you do the immersion method so you get like a little dish and you just submerge it completely in its pot as long as there's a hole in the pot and it can take up through the roots and that's the best way to prevent any sort of fatalities (laughs) <laughs> brilliant and you mentioned to me uh, and i think you've commented about this on instagram that that bonsai as a a hobby as a as a gardening practice is generally dominated by older men and you're going about starting to change that but can you tell me about why that was something that that you felt like you needed to uh take action on in terms of promoting it as a as a hobby for everybody well I'm quite feminist and I just saw that and I because for me when I'm part of the UK Bonsai Association which is really amazing and when I started looking on their competitions and their past event photos I thought oh wow that's gonna be great and I looked in like I sort of zoomed in I thought wow that like is 200 people in there I think I can spot two women and then I looked at all of the like competitions they'd done with like you know young and when I say young I mean these people who were doing it were like 30 to 40 and they were like in the young category (laughs) and they were all 
men and there were no female winners that I could see. Like I might be wrong on that, but none that I could see and none that I could find. And I thought, all right, let's get me in there. I want to try and change that. And that's another thing that really pushed me forward with Bonsai because I thought I want to show women and like girls on Instagram like that anyone can do Bonsai because Bonsai is also very male dominated because I mean I don't want to generalize but it's one of those things that like I've seen it when people in the shop like the main people who buy them are men because they're sort of seen as a challenge and seen as sort of like oh yeah like it's a tree it's a man thing and um <laughs> you want to try and like wrestle with it with the wires and stuff like that and I think you know that's just not true and on loads of accounts that I see that they're, they're all like it's always won by men so I thought yeah like I'm gonna I'm gonna show people that an 18 year old girl can do bonsai and can teach others how to do it because also those older men a lot of the time can be quite closed off about how to do it number one not not intentionally but just because I think because I've been doing it so long they're just like how don't you understand how to do it and I want to sort of <laughs> show because I've only been doing this for about a year and a half so I'm no master I'm still completely learning and I like learn with people and people when they ask me questions it pushes me like to learn more but I just want to show people that like as I'm in sort of these early stages that I can really communicate with people and be like oh don't worry I understand why you're confused this is how you do it and also I think with my Instagram that's the thing that I really love about like running my account is because I think I mean I am still kind of shocked that people are interested in in me and like you know showing people how to have a bonsai tree and how to have house plants and everything like that and I still think oh that's kind of weird but I think it's because when you see someone who's passionate about something no matter what it is even if you're not passionate about that subject it's something that you think oh yeah like I want to be on board with that and so I think having like I enjoy it because as someone you know as a passionate 18 year old about something like I hope like younger girls who follow me and stuff like that or any gender um they think oh yeah you know what she's passionate about something my passion even though it's really niche maybe someone else might like it and you know what maybe me having this passion isn't that nerdy and maybe it's kind of cool so that's what I like to do. I always tell my daughter that, you know, the people at school, the cool people at school are, never turn out to be the cool adults. The the people who've got nerdy interests always turn out to be the most interesting adults there are. So I always try to encourage her to, to not feel like you've got to stick with, you know, or just do something because this is seen as being the cool thing. So, yeah, I love the fact that you're into bonsai. And it's a funny thing with the wires. I'm thinking to myself that you, with your young, nimble hands, are probably, maybe that's a good thing. I mean, does it make it easier to manipulate? It's not like you're dealing with a, a massive oak tree trunk of full size. I'd imagine having small nimble hands might be a good thing but maybe that's I don't know yeah yeah I, I think so <laughs> and I think well I mean I haven't been able to have the luxury of having one of those huge one meter bonsai because obviously people do sometimes think that bonsai are the ones the sort of trees that you can fit in your hand but when they're about 50 years old you do have to sort of slightly plan ahead in the sense that when they get to 50 like it's going to be quite a hefty thing it's going to be like half your height but if you think about it, if a, a 50, 60-year-old oak tree was outside of your house, it's sort of to scale. But yeah, I mean, I, I, even with that, I wouldn't have a go at wiring that thing, wiring the beast. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds amazing. I mean, there is so much to this particular branch of gardening. And I imagine that, you know, it's partly terminology, it's partly there's a philosophy behind what you're doing as well, which is often the case with with other elements of Japanese gardening. How have you gone about learning that? Has it been through through books, through other social media accounts? How do you accrue your knowledge in this area? I definitely would have used social media accounts, but I only got social media in December 2020. Like I didn't have anything before then. Um, from that, it has definitely... I have learned new things like I've learned about um, Yamadori, which is all about basically it's quite cool where you go and get bonsai from the wild. So it's like nature has created their own bonsai, which is you, obviously you have to get permission from like the landowner for wherever it is. But it's due to lack of nutrients, sort of dwarfism. These little species of trees have grown to this sort of their own little bonsai out in the wild somewhere. So I didn't even know that existed. I thought you could only do it because of artificial means. But probably just like mainly books has been like the biggest thing for me. And um, at work, my managers have been like amazing in describing exactly like what they need. And I used to go in like every few weeks when I didn't work then and be like, so what does this mean? What does this mean? And just like asking people. But I think books are the biggest thing, especially books with pictures. I know it sounds like really childish, but especially things like wiring, it's quite hard to describe to someone without showing them so yeah pictures are the way to go <laughs> we'll be back with more from Raffaella shortly but now it's time for question of the week and I just wanted to update you on the quadricolor question from a couple of weeks ago Oh, I've had a response from the lovely Avery of Parvus Plants which is a tiny house plant nursery in Wales. And Avery has been doing a great deal of excellent research into the subject of Tradescantia species and cultivars and confirms what we already knew, which is that this is a complete mess. I will add Avery's comments in full onto the show notes from the Quadricolor episode. But the summary is that yes, Sherry's plant is most often called tricolor but it does come under many other names. And indeed, the species name is contested too. And Avery says that the better match to the species is actually Tradescantia mundula. And indeed, the Tradescantia zebrina quadricolor name, well, that doesn't seem like it's correct either. It was first published under the name Tradescantia multicolor Madame Lequez. I don't know how to say that. L-E-Q. U-E-S-N-E. So it's even more of a mess than I thought, I think is the summary. But Avery does say that he would agree with my use of the most common contemporary names, tricolor for the plant that Cherie showed me and quadricolor for the variegated Tradescantia zebrina. So if you want to read that comment in full, do go back and look at the show notes for episode 197. And I'll just include a reference in that in the show notes for this episode, just so you can find that. Oh, what a mess taxonomy is, but I do love these plants. And in fact, I'm on the waiting list for a quadricolor from Avery because I've been lured <laughs> into wanting one of these plants. It happens quite frequently with this podcast. Right, let's move on to this week's question, which comes from Ben. Ben has found two sad looking things in a skip and thinks that one is a Guzmania and the other is a Vricia. I mean, that's great work right there, Ben, for identifying what you've got in the first place. 
And Ben goes on to say, both middle stems are brown slash green and there are two or three small spikes or stems forming at the base. What do I do? I don't know if everyone in the world calls a skip a skip. Maybe you call it a dumpster, but a big metal thing that people put building waste in is what we're talking about here. Somebody had obviously decided these bromeliads had had their day and abandoned them without checking first with On The Ledge podcast, which is always a mistake. So what's going on? Well, bromeliads are monocarpic, which means they die back after they've flowered. But they do do this handy thing of putting out baby plants from their base And this is how you can save these two specimens. So these young plants known as pups, which I think is what you've got here without seeing a picture. I can't be 100 percent sure, but it sounds like that, Ben. Once they're about a third of the size of the adult plant, then you can take them off. Now, if they're very small at the minute, I don't think that main stem is dead yet because there is some green on it. So you could let it grow out a bit longer and wait for those pups to increase in size. But if they're about, as I say, a third of the size of the main plant, you can take the plant out of its pot and just very carefully hold the pup by its base and tease it away from the main plant. As long as you get a little tiny bit of root attached, it will be absolutely fine. Then you can pop that up separately, use a nice, really free draining mix of substrate. I would probably go for something like 50% John Innes number two or houseplant compost, you know, ideally peat free, as I always say, um, and combining that with 50% fine orchid bark. There are loads of different concoctions that people put together for this kind of plant. But bear in mind, it doesn't need a massive pot because this is an epiphyte with quite small roots. So don't over pot it. But yes, you can put the plant into that pot. Just make sure you don't bury it too deeply because that will cause the whole thing to rot. So the base of the plant should be in the soil so it's stable. So what you want to avoid is burying the vase, which is the name for the receptacle at the centre of that rosette, which is where rainwater gathers. And that's where the plant gets most of its water from, as opposed to the roots. So you don't want to bury as low as that. You want to make sure that the vase is just above the surface and you need to keep that vase topped up ideally with rainwater or distilled water, some kind of soft water, pouring the water in there. And you should find that those pups will start to grow and thrive. I haven't done a bromeliad episode for absolutely ages. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever done a full episode on bromeliad. So I shall add that to the list, Ben. But I hope that helps for the moment with your problem. And well done for finding those plants. Why don't I ever find? I've said this before, but I just don't find plants on the side of the road or in dumpsters. I'm obviously looking in completely the wrong place. But good luck with your Gusmania and Vricea, Ben. And I hope they both thrive. If you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop them to me. On the ledge podcast at gmail.com is the address. So if you've got, say, a jay plant or some kind of weeping fig, maybe that's maybe a youngish, smallish plant. Where, where do we start with the bonsai process? I'm, I'm not explaining, expecting you to sort of download every step of knowledge, but what's the starting point? Presumably we've got to think about how to limit the growth of that plant and make it smaller. So I'll give you an example of um, I was given a weeping fig house plant 
and it was it's got it was definitely the most challenging thing that I've done so it was wrapped up in a sort of like straw mesh and it has like about eight different trunks and it was all sort of like bushed up into a ball at the top um in a little like plastic nursery pot and you know that's not a tree like that's just a house plant and so what I did was I unwrapped it and what you need to do when you start with bonsai is I'd say start with the wiring because lots of people think I'll go in for the pruning first but the thing is is yeah you can prune but you can never get what you've just pruned um pruned off back and so if you wire it first and you see how the wiring if it still doesn't look good then you can chop off the branch but instead of like trying to chop it into shape wire it into shape so what I'm you need to do when you first if you get like a if you get like a shrub from a garden center you want to bonsai it or if you've got a bonsai that just doesn't look very good like it's come out of the grower looking a bit a bit wonky what you need to do is have a look at whatever species that is online look at the pictures and look at look at the picture of it in its full size and its full glory as a proper tree because the whole thing about it is trying to replicate it from that miniature i had a look at weeping um figs and the main go-to shape for me is a sort of triangle like like you know bushy at the bottom tall at the top especially as they're young they're sort of a more of a 2d shape so like with bonsai they definitely have a front and a back and you really need to present that so um you need to have a sort of the the back will be more sort of rounded if that makes sense and then the front is more sort of 2d um so you can see more of the sort of structural layout anyway so you wire and with young trees it's you need to be really quite careful with the wiring because you need to have a thin wire and you need to be very gentle with the branches because they're so like small and delicate and you need to do sort of tight little curls around and then once you've sort of wired that branch it becomes malleable so you can bend it so what I've done is like I've bent it so there's literal waves in the branch I mean I have done it before and it's all broken off so you know it's okay if that happens you just learn you learn your own strength that you have to be gentle and then you shouldn't I'd say only wire about three four branches maximum because if you wire like every single branch it's just gonna die because it's gonna be so stressed so only wire like three to four depending on how big it is and then obviously if you're wiring you can also wire the actual trunk of the tree and with that you need quite like a thick wire and you bend that and yeah and that's basically what you need to do and with the wire you think oh how long has that been like a few weeks well you probably have to leave on for a few months and the bit that I would really recommend you doing is like every few weeks just lift up the wire slightly and have a look at the branch and check that there's no thing called scarring which is when the wire like digs into the branch and then it leaves like a whole little scar um so just check that doesn't happen and then after a few months it should be set in place so you unwire it and it's sort of like set and however, if you've done the trunk, you need to leave that wire on for a year, maybe. And that's what I did with mine. And I've sort of wrapped the wire around because mine has got six different trunks. I wrapped it to try and simulate one big trunk, sort of going to make it plaited. Then the next step you need to do is obviously trim. Never trim more than a third of the tree because it's going to look bold and it's going to look very unhappy. And then the final step is the definition of bonsai is plant potted in a tray basically you know tree in a tray and so you need to get one of the beautiful you can get so many different kinds like if you're particularly artsy 
you can get lots of like beautifully painted ceramic tray trays and plant uh, pots and so you need to put it in one of them um which are quite shallow and yeah so you just need to like put it in that but when you're bonsaiing the actual process is going to take about so for me it took me about six months to get to stage them in now um you can't wire and trim and repot all at the same time because that tree is going to be so unhappy um you want to do a very slow glow up of the tree <laughs> and yeah and that's basically every, everything you need to do that sounds very absorbing and you got as you say you've got to be in it for the long game but well you've got you've got hopefully a long life ahead of you to be training your plant and you know how exciting to think of what it's going to look like in you know 10 20 years time one thing that you also talk about in your instagram is <laughs> how adults can be intimidated by passionate teenagers i know this from my daughter monologuing about various things that she's been into on dog walks where <laughs> she's sort of telling me about some some particular series of books she's reading or a film she's seen and i'm just like out there going i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> but She's starting to get into plants and she's 14. So what can I do to really encourage her without being an annoying parent? Well, yeah, I mean, you're probably you know, the best position that you're going to be like, hey, have a look at this plant. But I'd say the big, the biggest thing, I mean, the only way I can speak from my perspective is, for example, like recently, my mum has really wanted me to do like yoga. And it was like, honestly, like years of her saying, you need to do yoga. And then only recently I've been like, then I've suddenly switched my head like, I want to do yoga, I'm going to try that. And I think, oh, this is really good. So with your daughter, she's starting to get into houseplants. Like it has to be in sort of her own terms. But I think the best thing that you can do is just, you know, take her to like lovely, like independent plant um, retailers and maybe like beautiful like gardens and things like that. And then when she like walks into these really cool, trendy shops, she can be like, wow, I want my room to look like that. So you need to prepare for that. And um, sort of as like inspiration. And then, you know, if she like tells you anything about her plants that she's like particularly happy about, you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. And, you know, maybe if a new plant ends up on her desk, that's not such a bad thing. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. I think that's great advice. She she has told me she wants a specimen um, plant for her room. She wants like a big palm or something. And I was like, well, you're lucky because you actually have the warmest and sunniest bedroom in the house. So, you know, you're actually in with a shot at that. So, yes, we do need to go to... Um to my favourite um, houseplant shop to uh, have a look for something because I haven't got anything like that, particularly that she, the kind of thing she wants anyway. So yeah, that's a, that's a really good advice. And you're absolutely right. You can tell teenagers to be interested in things, but really it's got to come from them. Um, otherwise you're just nowhere. And it came out of, it surprised me when she started to sort of want plants. And so yeah, she's already had a fair few plants off me and cuttings off me. But yeah, I think... Uh, we may have a bigger plant in our future um <laughs> that sounds, but, i mean i'm very lucky because i've got a self-facing window so i started this with the best room <laughs> yes yeah i mean it does make such a difference doesn't it uh it's just coincidence but uh yeah she's it's it's great to see her start to get interested and um it's just interesting to see that her she's got a different approach in that i don't name my plants whereas all of her plants have got names which is is absolutely fine but it's just that's really different from me as a teenager because mm -hmm. I was into plants as a teenager but I wasn't I was like learning Latin names and I'm like I have to realize that she's not me so I, that's part of my learning process as a parent which is a lifelong thing also <laughs> <laughs> now we've talked a little bit about the rise of lots of generation 
Z, can we, do we say Z? Z. Let's say Z. Z Z or Z, plant owners. And obviously you're part of that. Well, how do you feel about that sort of title of, oh, you know, all these young people getting into plants? Does it feel, do you get annoyed by sort of patronising approaches from old farts like me or... I, I mean, I'm lucky I haven't had anything patronising. Really oh, had that's lovely. Good. I've only had lovely people, um, including you. <laughs> and uh, I think it's, I think it's really come about the whole houseplant boom. Obviously, because of lockdowns, so people were spending so much time time in their homes, and realizing how much we needed to connect with nature that we hadn't before. And also, I think because um, my generation is so there were so many uncertain things like not just to do with covid like to do like climate change like and i'm a big activist towards that and i i think that when you feel sort of you haven't got much control to do with the natural world you sort of want to bring it in and sort of surround yourself with it and so if you're able to care for plants and not just plants i i think this is very directed as, as well towards growing vegetables and fruit you can really appreciate how long it takes things to grow how the conditions need to be just right, how you can produce your own food and eat your own food. And I think it's something that has really appealed to my generation because, you know, what's going to happen in the future, we don't know. And, you know, it hasn't been our fault <laughs> what's happened up till now. Like we've had to be put into the deep end for this and have to try and look to the future and try and be optimistic about it. Um, and I think also you know from that there's a lot been a lot of mental health issues and i think that with plants they really do help with your mental health and i know you mentioned this in like some of the other podcast episodes and i think that you know it's something that when you plant that seed obviously sometimes they don't all grow but you think okay that's gonna that's gonna you know um sprout in april and then from april i repot it in you know august or something like that and it says little like milestones like in the future that makes it so we can have like that little bit of like certainty so I think that's definitely one part of it and also I think another part of it is you know with social media there's been so many sort of like people love having the plants in this sort of like Instagram feed and it's very like aesthetically pleasing and yeah so I think as people evolve their rooms having loads of nature in your room it's just really it's just like so lovely to have your room, you know, purified with all the lovely plants and also you're sort of surrounded by like living furniture. And I think that, you know, generations that really like that, but especially as we've grown up in such a technology, technology, <laughs> technology age. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and so we, you know, we actually can connect with something that's that you can respond to and, and care for. Yep, that I think that's absolutely that's your you've, you're on the money there, and I, I absolutely sympathise with your statements about climate change because I do feel that your generation, as you say, you've been lumped with this problem that it's going to be a lifelong issue for you to deal with, um, and it's it's not your fault. It's tremendously unfair, and I know both my children are really feel really strongly about it and worry about it a lot so it is something that's that's that we all need to be thinking about um but you're right growing fruit and veggies or i mean i know this is a houseplant podcast but i just have to agree with you there that it's an amazing thing to get into and um yeah i don't know if you've planted any fruit trees but that would be my other big piece of advice is plant some fruit trees because have you got any in your 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 garden uh, but, yeah we have um, a lot of monk jack deers eat them but oh um, oh gosh yeah. okay 
but, but, but what you can also do is you can um what i find kind of amazing is you can actually bonsai fruit trees okay you can bonsai apple trees and sort of um, are the apples big or small yeah so people always say that and so they're sort of they look quite ga- gangly on the actual plant so if you look at it, it's probably the size of a normal apple will grow to probably the size of like a little plum on the mm-hmm. tree. Mm-hmm. And even though the tree is quite small, it's quite funny because you have these like really big like fruits that are like sort of like <laughs> hanging down on the branches. <laughs> so they kind of look a bit weird. But yeah, you can't eat them. But they're a bit like, you know, how when you have um, citrus fruit plants in your house and sometimes you can't quite eat sort of like kamquats or something yet. But they kind of look a bit like that on the bonsai tree, okay. which is which is quite cool. So you literally can bonsai any tree. You I want. guess that's good because really it means that like you don't have to go and buy an expensive plant. You can just get a young a young sapling and start like that. I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, now this is a very selfish question. Final question, very selfish on my part, and totally designed to help me. Um, <laughs> you've grown, to excuse the pun, um, a great Instagram platform. I'm terrible at Instagram, really. I don't know what I'm doing. And I know that I have lots of people wanting to connect with me on Instagram, but I'm a bit rubbish at it. So, <laughs> I mean, how do you go about making a good, well, what makes a good botanical Instagram? Well, you know, for any gardeners out there or plant enthusiasts, I think what you need to do is your biggest tool is education. So the thing is on Instagram is you have to have a niche. Like that's why I think that I've grown so much because my niche is like 18 year old girl, bonsai tree. There's not a whole lot of accounts out there that has that. (laughs) So you need to have like a unique selling point. And obviously there are a lot of plant accounts out there. There are a lot of gardeners, but a lot of gardeners you know, spend their time rightfully outdoors to have less, some, sometimes like a less connected with um, technology. So you need to sort of try and teach yourself. But as what I'm about to say is your biggest tool is educating people because you have something that people don't, which is people who are not into plants and don't understand it. It's very overwhelming. And so they will look to you for sort of advice. And so you need to be there sort of like really the very basics like not in a patronizing way but you know you don't want to assume what people know and so you need to show you know if whatever your speciality is like let's say some people are like orchids and stuff like that like you really need to show like exactly how to water them when to water them and the best way to show that that is through instagram reels which is just you just have to do like a little video and which can be up to three minutes long and that is the best way because instagram is no longer a photo sharing app so you really need to like utilize reels because that's how you're going to get to young people and that's how you're going to get to anybody who wants to see that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, you're just going to make them short, snappy. Like you've got to try and make it like really basic language as well. Like you've got to make it so people understand it. It's a That's why a lot of my reels I sort of try and make a bit funny because, you know, the best way to teach people, I think, is through like comedy. Like, you know, and that's how, that's how I like to do it. And yeah. so, yeah, that's the, I think that's the best way to do it, really. And, you know, there are so many amazing things on Instagram that you can do. You can do Instagram Live. So if you're like, I don't know, propagating something, you can just because people kind of think of Instagram Lives like a, just a Q&A. But I sort of view that as quite like it's it, like, you know, some people are like, oh, that's quite self-centered. So you can do something like a Q&A while I'm propagating this rubber plant or something like that and you can do or you can be like if you're a gardener you know you're out there 
planting a tree and you're just like teaching people on on live and also if you're young and you've got plants like that looks really good on your like grid posts so like you know taking lots of like pleasing pictures like doing lots of hashtags is the way to do it well you've done a great thing in i'm sure getting lots of people to start thinking about bonsai something that's a little bit more accessible not necessarily just the domain of men over the age of 50 so <laughs> that's a great achievement <laughs> and uh, you've definitely inspired me to have a think about bonsai i'm thinking about i'm thinking about a bonsai fruit tree now that would be so exciting uh, but i think i might have to start with something more basic like a jade because at least i have one of those to hand that i can just um, have a go with but it's been tremendous fun to talk to you Rafaela and thank you very much for sharing your expertise I'm sure lots of, of listeners will also have been inspired so thank you very much thank you it's been a pleasure thanks so much to Rafaela what a total star I so enjoy chatting to her do check out the show notes for some images of her with her trees and also her delightful Instagram, which is at Bonsai Raff. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next Friday for the 200th episode. Wishing you a fantastic week. I hope you get lots of time to spend with your precious plants. Bye. music you heard in this episode was Roll, Drawn and Roll by the Joy Drops, The Road We Used to Travel When We Were Young by Komiku, and Quasi Motion by Kevin MacLeod. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details.